Roll tight, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, along with engineer-producer Mark Phillips at Airwave Recording Studio in Birmingham, Alabama. And we're excited about hearing so many Bama fans making plans to be in the stands when it hits the fan in Miami. Tickets are tight and prices are out of sight, but with South Beach in easy reach before this big game with Notre Dame, you can count on five-day forecast featuring a crimson flood all over Metro Miami. And I'm not talking about the red tides they suffer down there sometime. I'm talking about a crimson tide that travels far and wide. So anybody that's bound for the Orange Bowl is about to hear a lot of Roll Tide Roll. One of the things that makes this trip so hip is that the SEC Championship game broadcast drew CBS's biggest numbers for a college game all season. And among the reasons for those ratings was the fact that almost everybody in the country was so bent out of shape about the possibility of Bama being back in the big game again. Beyond that, the fact that the SEC Championship game was played in front of a house full of frenzied fans had to be hard to face when most of the other conference championship games had more empty seats than an NCAA seminar on common sense. But the jealousy and envy crowd can thank Lane Kiffin for whiffing against Notre Dame or the BCS championship game would be the same as it was last year with two SEC teams in the title game again. We can rant about the BCS formula and how it's better or worse than all the systems we've had over the years and how some people want to play off and all that till the cows come home, which is fine. And for all those folks out there, media and otherwise, that want to whine about SEC fatigue, here's the deal, folks. Win. No matter what system we've ever played under, the teams that make it to the top win their games. And if they lose a game, they lose early enough to win their way back up the standings, and they don't lose by big scores to teams they ought to beat, like Kansas State getting blown out by Baylor late in the year. Now, I'm not picking on the Wildcats. I'm just saying the competition and the calendar count if you're talking about taking home a trophy. Where Obama's concerned with the Iron Bowl and the SEC trophies already secured, rest assured the title hit the Miami shore looking for one more. It's so easy for us to get spoiled by the stunning string of successful seasons we're seeing these days. It's easy to forget the fact, too, that we returned only four starters on defense this year and that many of the guys we lost from last year are almost all playing on Sunday now, and most of them are starters. Now, we may have been more balanced on offense than ever so far this year, with a great offensive line playing a huge part in it, but we also had two freshmen step up and stand out with T.J. Yeldon rushing for 1,000 yards and Amari. Cooper coming up with 53 catches for 895 and 9 TDs. They combined with Ryan Kelly and DJ Petway to put four tied players on the SEC all-freshman team. Now we had another four named to the Walter Camp All-American team with Barrett Jones, D. Milliner, C.J. Mosley, and Chance Warmack making the first team and DJ Fluger was selected for the second team. But this is where I got to call a timeout and give a shout out to our senior center. Barrett Jones is one special young man. He won the Remington Award as the nation's top center. He's the Capital One Academic All-American of the Year, and he recently won the William V. Campbell Trophy, which equates roughly to an academic Heisman. He's the only three-time academic All-American student athlete in the history of the University of Alabama. He's the SEC Scholar Athlete of the Year for the second consecutive season. He has a 4.0 GPA, and he'll complete his master's degree this semester before they even leave for Miami. Uh, He was named, as we mentioned earlier, to the 2012 Walter Camp All-American team and coaches 
all-SEC team. He's played on two SEC championship teams, two national championship teams, and was a finalist for a second consecutive Outland Award. Now, when he starts his third BCS national championship game on January 7th, he'll have done it at three different positions. And as amazing as this list of accomplishments is, he stands tallest when he takes a knee to see into the eyes of the many children he ministers to on mission trips. He may well leave the university as the most decorated football player in its history, but as far as I'm concerned, he'll leave with more ducks in a row than just about any person I know. And while I'm serving up salutes, C.J. Mosley was voted team MVP, and again on a team with just four returning starters on defense, he had 99 tackles, no one else had more than 56, and he sat out the equivalent of two full games because of backups playing in blowouts. Let's remember, too, that losing Jalston Fowler, DeAndre White, DeHart, and Kenny Bell were setbacks that meant backups had to step up, and guys like former walk-on Kelly Johnson chipped in by getting it done in a lot of big wins. So all this is to say that this year's team has fought through an awful lot to be in the spot they're in, so they made it here the old-fashioned way. They earned it. You know, one of the ways we recognize these guys is with our Bama Talk Facebook page. We're having a lot of fun with that, posting pics and commentary, so check it out and chime in. If you enjoy it, hit that like button and let us know. Our guest today uh, grew up in Orlando, Florida, the youngest of six children. He was a star athlete at Jones High School in football and wrestling. Signed with the university in 1986, wound up being drafted by the Washington Redskins, played two years with the Cincinnati Bengals, then he spent several years with the Birmingham Barracudas and in the Canadian Football League with some teams. But in 1989, in a big game at a crucial moment, he made a play to save the day and wound up being the inspiration for a Daniel Moore painting called Desperation Block. Thomas Ram, it's good to have you in the house, neighbor. Man, thank you. That's, that makes it sound really well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I've been living in Alabaster now for six or seven years, and I didn't even realize you were right down the street yeah, until yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, oh, God. My wife is originally from uh, Alabaster, uh, went to Thompson High School. Uh, our kids now are in the Thompson school system uh, i volunteer coach uh defensive line at the high school and it's 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 a blast believe wow, me wow that's great man yeah. you know I, I, it's good to know you've decided to make this uh area your home and i know you've got an awful lot of uh, good things going on tell us about what you're involved with these days well i i work for a dme company by the name of mash where we uh we sell um durable equipment medical supplies and that got that good thing mash has been around for about 35 years a lot of people know them um, I'm the outside salesman, but uh, away from work, my passion uh, are, are working with the youth. Um, like I said, I volunteer coach with TJ. My oldest is TJ, and uh, m- uh, my passion is uh, our, our outreach. My wife and I, Elaine, has started um, Team Ram Outreach, where we were helping kids exercise in the off season, helping them do a little bit more through a ministry that we call Team Ram. And the thing about it is, we get so many requests for kids because. Our our thing is uh, uh, based on a donation type thing, so we don't we don't make people pay, and we don't have this cert guideline that you have to pay and be strict to to get the type of workouts that they use in bigger gyms. I use in the summertime the Pilates, the Toga, yeah, the yeah. the kinesiology workouts that train kids to uh, step inside a to work inside of a phone booth, because we all know that. Plays football, basketball, baseball, softball, volleyball, whatever you're playing, the big plays are made within a two to three yard square. So 
we train kids to put their feet down and put them down in the right positions, and and a lot of it's just free of charge. <laughs> oh, that's great stuff, man. You know, yeah. basically, the, all I had when I was a kid was my daddy telling me run around the block a few no, times. No, no, it, it it goes beyond just running around the block. Yeah, and, and beyond just how to be that type of athlete. You know, for years now, I I, I played in the Canadian Football League. And that's really when I began to speak a lot in different schools about staying in school and being positive. So we we at Team Ram, we really hone in on kids being more than just professional athletes. Uh, it, it's our motto that you not only be a professional athlete, but be a professional person first. And that's just something that we, we, we're big on and, and letting kids know that you don't have to just be a jock to work out. You can be who you are to protect your body because we feel that our bodies are temples. So last summer, my oldest brother sings opera, brought him in to do a concert here at Sanford University to to let kids know that you can be that football player, you can be that opera star, you can sing, you can play in the band, you can have computers behind your name, whatever, but your body is a temple. Um, that's great stuff. And, and speaking of opera stars, uh, we were just talking a few minutes ago uh, when you came by that uh, you've got a brother that's a serious singer and has actually filled in for Luciano Pavarotti yes. at some point in the past. Tell us just a little bit about that. Man, it, it, it was something that hit our family by storm. I, I could never, I, I'll never forget the day that uh, an opera company in Italy called Orlando, and wow. I was at home and um, I, I'm, I'm like in high school at the time, and they needed Curtis to come in and sit in for him. And he was, I think he had gotten sick or he had hurt his knees or something. Well, he's, he's in bad health. And Curtis left Orlando uh, going out to Milan, Italy, to uh, step in for Poverace. And that led into a number of uh, of sit-ins for him. And, and uh, Poverace has been to Orlando. Uh, he, he's met my family. I mean, he's came down to the to the neighborhood and uh, and sat around and people didn't know who he was, but we knew exactly who he was. And you got to understand, you know, we're we're a middle class family, you know, in the hood. You know, guys don't know a whole lot about opera. So but, they're yeah. asking him if he knew Barry White. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. Speaking of the neighborhood, you know, I'm always interested to know how guys like you, you know, you you grew up in Florida, uh, wound up playing at Bama. What was the recruiting like process for you back then, and and what led you to decide? to sign with Alabama? Well, I, I grew up the youngest of six kids. Uh, uh, my oldest brother played at Notre Dame, so there's a rivalry thing going on oh, between I us know this that. week. Uh, I really don't want to talk about him a whole lot because he kind of made me mad the other night when everybody got the award. So, But, you know, growing up in Orlando, uh, there are a, 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 a ton of schools to choose from, and uh, you know the Florida schools were after me, but Hardy had gone on to Notre Dame, and, you know, that was an inspiration of myself uh, was to – play football like my older brother and, and go on and, and to a, a notable university and play for a national championship. But myself, uh, other than Hardy, you know, Hardy wanted to go north. I, I like the south. I like grits and gravy. I, I, I like, you know, knowing that I'm going to be able to go next door and eat a bowl of grits. and, and Without <laughs> snowshoes. Without snowshoes or having my sister have to fly me up a bag to cook on my own. But I wanted to stay in the south. And as a kid growing up, Hardy was heavily recruited. And I've answered the phone a million times for him. And one coach called from the University of Alabama. And to uh, surprise, it was Coach Bear Bryant. And he was looking for Hardy Rayum. And it, it, was, it was like, okay, you know, I knew who he was, but none of the kids that I was playing with outside knew who, who Bear Bryant was. 
So um, that kind of stuck with me for a long time, a really long time, until I, I got into like the 10th grade. I got my first recruiting letter from the university, uh, along with thousands of letters just from uh, places. But I, I always separated the, the letters from the SEC. I wanted to stay in the SEC. It would be Florida, Alabama. And I also had my uh, eyes set at Oklahoma also. So, But Alabama, um, it, it felt more like home. It felt more like down-home people. Just a comfort level. Uh, uh, it was a comfort level on my recruiting trip because it well, was— that's, Well, that's interesting because Orlando's a major metropolitan area. Right, it And really Tuscaloosa's is. not. And Tuscaloosa's not. But you always have that down-home feeling— and a lot of people that really don't care for the big city and the, 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 the overpopulated places. That's why my wife and I live in Alabaster today. We had the opportunity of coming back from Canada and moving to Orlando. And I, I, I didn't want to raise my kids in, in that big of an area. I, I wanted to be in Alabama. I wanted to be in a small town. I wanted my kids to be able to know people they were going to school with, know the neighbors, and, and know the people in our church. And you know, make sure that they have that home feeling first before you try and spread abroad. Well, that's good news, and I know I, I know I for sure am glad to know that you're a neighbor, man. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's fun for me. I'm I'm enjoying that. Yeah, Thomas, one of the things we got to talk about, yeah, you know, is the series with Penn State. It's been one of the <laughs> great intersectional rivalries in the country, and there have been lots of memorable games uh, and great plays in that series. Right. We led seventeen to sixteen that day, and. Late in the fourth quarter, the 89 game at Penn State. Oh, man. Penn State had driven the length of the field. Oh, the yeah. ball was, I mean, right at the goal line. At the goal line. Joe Pa sent Ray Tarassi in to kick what Thank should God. have been like a, oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> you know, what uh, should have been like kicking an extra point. Actually, it was closer than an extra point because right. it was, I think it was inside the one-yard right. line. Right. What, what in the world? I mean, Blair Thomas was it, her running back. Uh, it, you know, really, it, it's like Don McNeil made that saving play uh, for the goal line yeah, stands. Yeah. You know, Willie Wyatt made that uh, a saving play right before that happened. Number 98 from Gardendale, from, Alabama. Oh, my little fat buddy. Um, <laughs> you know, Willie and I were uh, roommates all four years in, 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 in school, and, and we still keep in touch today. Willie is the coach over at, at uh, Hueytown. And, you know, if, if it wasn't for – I mean, that game – really showed the blue-collar work, workmanship that yeah, yeah. Coach Bill Curry preached about. Well, you know, because they, uh, on that drive, it was, again, it was 17-16. to 16, We led by one point. But they drove the length of the field. They were running it right up the gut. Blair Thomas was having a heck of a, a day. heck of a day, yeah. You know, they, they had a good football team. <laughs> yeah, they year. really did. So yeah. it, it was, you know, any one-point game is yeah. between those two teams. Yeah. So they get all the way down the field. There's just a few seconds left on the clock. What? I come was it a back schematic thing? So was it a schematic thing the <laughs> way was. you line, or, or it was really it just was. having your backs against the wall and a gun pointed at your head? I, I can remember in the huddle holding guys' hands and saying that we wouldn't lose. Todd wouldn't lose. We could look to the left of us and see right in the corner of one little shade of crimson. I mean, the two or three hundred people that came to the game. I mean, sat in that one corner behind our backs, and I can remember turning around looking and saying to Mike Ramil, number 92 in that picture, that I'm going to knock the SNH (laughs) out of this guy. So when I knock him out of this hole, you go through and block the ball. And that was desperation block. That was a formation we had put in um, just that summer. Uh, We're going to get all the tall guys. So it was a set defensive play. Yeah, it was a set defensive play. But my job was to knock 
that a gap open so that Mike Ramil go through and block the kick. Uh, but on the snap of the ball, the guy I'm lining up in front of had his head like directly down in the dirt. I'm thinking he should have been like, you know, head turned to the side slightly, watching the ball, getting off on the snap, closing down his gap. I'm watching the the, the, the center's hand. So he's playing bad technique. Yeah, yeah, and I stole him. When the ball, when, when the center's knuckles widen out, <laughs> I knew the go. So I was like um, the second or third person to move on the snap besides center being first, the other guys being second. So how deep, how deep did you penetrate? How far in did you get? It was a couple of steps. It was more than a couple of steps. I was so far in the backfield that I felt like I was in no man's land. I know you got it with your left hand. Right hand. Right hand. Right hand. I fell into it, twisted my body, and hit it with my right hand. I'll be darned. Because what I, that Monday, and unlike that whole season, I played on a badly sprained ankle. That Monday in practice, we thought it was coming back. I was moving very fast that week, and the same person that fell on that ankle <laughs> prior to that fell on it again, mm. and um, uh, got the money. I mean, they put like a almost like a cast on that ankle to just so that I could walk. If you watch that game again, you see me limping around making. Oh, it looks tackles. like you got a boot on. Yeah, it's just like I got a boot on. But um, man, Coach Curry uh, was Coach Curry was a motivator, but he 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 was a motivator, and he told us that week that you know we were blue collar workers there was no one big you know honcho that we had to depend on we had to depend on everybody because he felt like the bear did if you made that trip your butt played in that game so as a blue collar worker you do your part when it's your turn and i tell my kids that today when it's your turn and it's your turn to make the play make the play because you'll never know when you get that opportunity again in other words, you're going to be a partner, not a passenger. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. You know, it must be an amazing thing to wind up helping make a play that's becoming, that's actually become a part of Alabama's history, and it's wound up on a, in a painting that hangs on the walls of homes and stores all over the state. Coach yep. Bryant said so many times, you got to try to win the game on every play, every Everything. snap, and you made a lot of people happy. Uh, that day, but a lot of people sad in Happy Valley. Yeah, <laughs> does, yeah. <laughs> a, does a day ever pass that you don't hear about that play? Like I said, I, I'm in medical sales, and um, that painting uh, is is almost like a postcard of mine. That it's a business card. It's now. like almost like a business card of mine now. Um, a lot of kids uh, get that picture, and they they Google my name, and they see the picture, they see the play again. But like I said, my wife and I do uh, Team Ram outreach. And to for for that picture to be a big part of my life, it helps out a lot of kids. I mean, that summertime workout program would not survive if people didn't, you know, purchase the picture and 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 have me out to speak. And you know, it, it does a lot. It really does. It doesn't just sit on the wall. I, God didn't give it to me to sit on the wall. There you go, man. He I, did. What a he great didn't. response. That's that's great. You know, I could. We had Jerry Duncan in here. He was on the broadcast <laughs> team. Oh, just a few weeks ago, we we sat around and talked about that after we finished doing oh, the show that day. It was it was great. He had actually gone up to the box, and when they made the call, uh-huh. uh, he was screaming and yelling. Everybody was jumping up and down. It was just. It was one of the great moments. Ever it's 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 I've I've played uh, for the Washington Redskins, gone to a Super Bowl with them. I've started in Cincinnati as an offensive lineman. 
and played in the Cincinnati Bengals program for three years. I've gone under over to Canada, and I've played against Doug Flutie in three Grey Cups and lost every one. And I finally won my my fourth try with the Calgary Stampeders in 2001. And out of everything I've done football-wise, that play is the biggest. I mean, out of all the plays I've made in high schools, all the sacks I've made in high school, the just tremendously efforts I've given – because of being hurt, because it wasn't meant for me, because we had already been called blue collar, that play of just working my butt off stands out above all. That's fabulous. Man, I've often wondered, I was sitting here wondering just a minute ago, you know, of of all the amazing professional experience you had in the yeah. travel and, and you've you know, you've played football everywhere it's played. Right. Does anything when you get to the pros and you're, you're playing for money and you're playing with elite athletes and it's great and the travel and you get taken care of, but does is it is there anything really like running out of the tunnel at Bright Denny? Oh, man, nothing. I wish I had that picture. I wish I had a picture of, uh, of me running out of Bright Denny. I can remember some friends coming up to Tuscaloosa when I was like a sophomore or junior, and they were saying that, man, to be able to run out of this tunnel – to be able to run out of this tunnel. And I'm like, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, I was in school running out of that tunnel and didn't put two and two together. It's like now. You see a player. It gets that, better, doesn't it? Oh, God, it gets better. I, 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 I'm a spokesman now for Philip to play 60. And on my card, my player's card, they have me now running out of the tunnel at Cincinnati. And I was looking at it the other day, and I was like, and that's nice. I, I, that's nice, but I would love for that 95 to be on my back rather than 61. Oh, man. Yeah, see, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. You always yeah. going to be number 95. Oh, God, yeah. I don't oh, care about that 55 and 61 and all that stuff. You know, well, well I, 58, too. I changed my number in Calgary for Derek Thomas. Well, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. great. You know, but it's funny that when you're speaking of numbers, when, when you see Bama guys going to the pros, if they have to wear enough, another number yeah. it just it just weirds yeah, me out it, it does it, it's, it's it really like they does. changed their name or yeah, something you it, know because you know them by that number but speaking <laughs> of bright you know so one thing some people have forgotten or that may not have been around was that we played all our home games yeah in 87 at legion field legion because field. of the construction going on at bryant denny right uh when you signed with Bama in '86, there were still only the lower. There was still only the lower bowl with sixty-six thousand seats. Now right. we've got upper decks all around, four <laughs> oh high-def video boards, ribbon yeah. boards, one hundred one thousand seats. It's an amazing place to see a game. You ever wish you could sneak in for a couple of snaps? No, <laughs> uh, uh, no. I, my sons are getting prepared to do that, and we we, we want to see them do it. My knees couldn't handle it right now. I can coach them all day long. No, oh, I know. But as far as going 10 straight plays, oh, I don't know. Oh, cutting the grass wires me out. Oh, man, I got to have an inhaler. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are the some of the – who are some of the more memorable guys you played with at Bama? Who are the guys that uh, stick out in your mind, the uh, guys that made the locker room a good place to like, be? Like, Willie Wyatt, you know, he and I still talk a whole lot. Bobby Humphrey, he and I talk all the time. He's been on. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby and I uh, are forever – bouncing things off each other our kids are, are still playing against each other oh, uh, well right. he has one that's uh, oh, a senior yeah. and tj tj played we didn't play Hoover this year but tj is a ninth grader that played on the varsity team tj started for us all 10 games at defensive tackle so i got a i got a stud coming up here in the making <laughs> and uh, our seventh graders played against each other and then i think his son plays uh basketball so we'll see each other tonight 
we play Hoover again tonight in basketball. So those guys, Kermit Kendrick, uh, guys I, I, I come into sales with like uh, like uh, 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 Adis and all those guys, I see them all the time out making my sales and the sale calls. So we, we see each other all the time. That's what, Believe me. That's a true fraternity. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, a true fraternity. Truly, it's it not is. just a random selection no, of people. These guys no. went to war together. Yeah, we call ourselves Bama Sci-Fi. There you go. It's Bama Sci-Fi to the day we die. Hey, you know, you spent a couple of years with the Bengals. You mentioned uh, playing in the Canadian League, the CFL. How did the training and the background you got at Bama help you when you moved up to the pros? Did you feel like playing at Bama gave you a little bit of a leg up on guys that might not have played at a upper level D one school. Well, but the thing about playing in Alabama, it gives you the the attitude that you need to go to the next level. I mean, when mm. you talk about going into the NFL. And training in the NFL, you, you've already done that at Alabama. I never thought that I would get to to the place like Washington Redskins my 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 rookie year and be able to adapt and compete with those guys that are already there, like the Charles Manns, uh, the Joe Jacobys, the Russ Grimms, you know, the the, the Jeff Bostics, and then the being hogs. able the, the the original Hogs. And then been asked the question by Joe Gibbs himself, uh, Thomas, do you want to make this team? And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, I'm a defensive lineman, but I'm kind of stacked on the defensive line. He said, can you make that transition change to the offensive line? I thought about it for a couple seconds, and I looked around, and he said, uh, uh, "Or it, it's either that or Winder or Al. So Winder or Al mean dinner on Delta. <laughs> so I, I made the change from defensive line to the offensive line, and and that what that's what Alabama football helps a person do. It, 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 no matter what you have to go through, that blue collar attitude, that blue collar mentality will always prevail. You know, and it's funny that carries through to today. Will Lowry was over visiting with us last week and he played a DB. It was a walk on. Right. He was talking about, you know, what Coach Saban does with all these guys, especially on defense, is they basically learn all the secondary positions. If right. you're a corner or right. a safety, you wind up learning the, the nickel position and the dime position. You uh, never know. So basically, once you learn. Once you learn what it's like to play in the secondary at Alabama, you're just about ready to coach it right. because you know all the assignments and how they're integrated and how, how it all works together. And I think that's really helped us, especially this last year. Right. You know, it, it, I mean, because when, once you – it's how, I, how, how we try and coach at the high school level. Um, because you're a tackle, that doesn't mean you may not play in. Therefore, in one-on-one competition drills, you're going to take snaps at in. You're going to take snaps at, at, at tackle. It being interchangeable makes a team a whole complete team. Yeah, the uh, well, and like the thing with the Jack linebacker position now. Right. Basically, you're going to have your hand in the dirt, right. and you're going to be in right. coverage. That's what. So, so you got to be an yeah. athlete. You yeah. got to have the size to play on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and then you got to be able to run with somebody. My youngest son loves that position. He he wants us to develop our our defensive end Jalen. He wants us to develop that into that Jack position. That's he loves it. Well, I know Coach Saban's after him all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're hunting yeah. him down. Yeah. Hey, yeah. when you watch Bama play these days, what are the things that, you know, as a former player and a professional, somebody that really knows what they're looking at, what are the things that impress you the most about these guys these days? Well, how one thing, and, and it stands out in everybody's eyesight, but how well they move and being so big. The guys now are much bigger than it were 20 years ago. And I'm saying 20 years ago when I was in school, uh, they 
they do stuff totally different now as far as how they move. To see a Chance Womack pull and run the way that he does. At 330. At 330 pounds. To see Conjo do, do what he do. I mean, Fluker does what he do. And, I mean, just to see all those guys work in unison together when they step, when, when the ball is snapped from the center of Bear Jones and they all go right, they all go together. So to see them in unison that day makes it, I mean, exciting to watch. When I watch football, I watch the offense and defensive line. Yeah, I don't watch. I, I don't see the action. I I can tell you from, don't follow the ball. No, I, I don't follow the ball a whole lot. I can tell from the positioning of the offensive line where the where the ball is probably going. So I, I I like to see Barrett Jones make that call. I like to see Chance Womack make that block. I like to see those guys get out and run in space. And that's the difference between our offensive line and a lot of offensive lines in the in the SEC. The coordination is the coordination in space. That's when the kinesiology comes into play. Yeah, yeah. Spatial awareness. That's right. Uh, the oh yeah, the ability to move, agility, the all agility. those things. Yeah, you know, leverage, leverage, placement. Yeah. See, we're 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 more we're we're more of a leveraging finding team rather than that team that's going for finesse. Yeah, the, these uh, when you watch replays, and of course I'm an uneducated uh, football viewer, but a passionate watcher. But when folks like Gary Danielson or, or people know what they're talking about yeah, as far uh-huh. as the football nuts and bolts describe what's going on, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like Barrett Jones is, you know, weighs 300 pounds. He's an excellent athlete. He's he's starred at three different positions right. now on the offensive line, and he's going against. Going up against well, that um, Jarvis Jones guy, there's a 340 yeah. pound yeah. nose tackle at Georgia. Yeah, and and Jones had some plays, yeah. but he did not dominate the game. No, he 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 did. You know, I, I do a football one on one class for women and for mommies, and at that position, I need to come to that. <laughs> at that position, I start at the center position. There you go. Because you that's know, where the play starts. That's where the play starts. A lot of people don't know that that center is the director of the offense. The quarterback gets the direction from him. Yeah, he doesn't get the ball. The center gives it to him. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Hey, I know you do some coaching and a lot of mentoring. What do you tell your kids to look for when they watch Bama play? Your position. Your position. Look at your position. Watch how they play. Watch how they line up. You know, my, 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 my oldest son, TJ, I mean, he he he's inspired to go to to Alabama, and I'm always on him about watching other other guys play, you know, and watch how they work, how they get to the quarterback, and this kind of thing. But you know, with him, I have to stay on him a whole lot because he may turn it to SpongeBob, and <laughs> and, and it's the Iron Bowl. So you know, you're talking about a kid. Focus, who, boy. Focus. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about a ninth grade kid, 15 years old, six two, 251 pounds. Oh my goodness. Run like a deer. I mean, uh, all of the above. I mean, squat. I mean, look like a little baby gorilla. And you know, when the TV comes on, it, it's not football. It's it, it may be cosmic kid somebody. <laughs> so I tell everybody, you know, when you're watching football, watch your position. You always can learn. Uh, real quickly, we we we're just about to get into the two minute drill here now, but uh, uh, and I know you probably keep up and watch Alabama pretty regular, like all of us. 
going into this matchup with Notre Dame. How do you see it stacking up, again, from an offensive-defensive matchup, strengths, weaknesses? What does it look like to you now? Now, what's interesting is Notre Dame's ranked number one, we're ranked number two, but yet Las Vegas has made us a seven or eight-point favorite going into the game. Uh, Rankings, one thing I don't do is bet. I don't don't believe in ranking. If we've uh, made it to the dance, uh, it's two evenly matched teams in, in my eye. Uh, like I, I stated earlier, my oldest brother, one of my oldest brothers, played at Notre Dame, and I uh, played on the he played with Montana on the coach Joe uh, Dan Devine. But um, he and I have been, you know, butting heads uh, ever since day one of knowing that we're going to be playing. You know, our, our two colleges, are gonna, our two schools are going to be playing against each other. As Where far he, as I'm concerned, the two biggest names in college. Two football. biggest names in college football. What he's worried about is how their defenses. Defensive line is going to match up with our offensive line. I see that being a matchup problem, too. They do have two big guys in the middle, but after that, what do they have? Well, they got that linebacker. Man, I'm so sick of hearing about that linebacker. I want Chance Womack. I want Barrett Jones. I want Steen. When they take the good gap step, put a helmet right in his in, chest. Yeah, knock that tree I, off I want, his scope. You know, I want to really see what he's made of. You know, then tell me he, he he's a Heisman candidate. I mean, you, you guys don't know. The radio world don't know how my brother and I have just been budding heads here in the last week behind the Alabama. See, y'all and, need to record some of oh that. Oh, my God. I think we're the only brother combination I've ever played uh, for one Alabama, one at Notre Dame out of the same household. So we've been budding heads here for the past couple of weeks. And it's gonna it's gonna stay that way till Alabama kicks that butt on January seventh. Roll tie. And, and roll no, it's roll tie forever. Yeah, three sixty five twenty four seven. Well, Thomas, we're just about to run out of time here, man. It has been an absolute ball having you come by and no, hang out with you. us for a while, man. Thank you. If, if you got so much going on and you're doing so many good things, and I know there are people probably out there that want may want to get in touch or how to how to connect with some of this stuff. If somebody wants to get in touch with you and find out how to support the things you're involved in, what's the best way to reach you? ThomasRayum.com. ThomasRayum.com. Thanks so much, Tom. We're going to call you again and get you back over here, okay? <laughs> I love All right, it. Now. Hey, folks, if you want to win the game, you've got to have a winning game plan, and let's face it, most of us don't have a good retirement planning playbook. If you need to know more about building a better financial future starting now, go to annuitiesalabama.com today. You'll see they can help you with strategies that are safe and smart that'll get you across that retirement goal line. But the play clock's running, folks, and successful people don't procrastinate. So make it a priority to call today. That's annuitiesalabama.com. And speaking about the play clock, we're down to our last time out, so we want to remind you that if you can't stand the thought of waiting till next week for the next episode of Bama Talk, all the shows are available in the podcast section of iTunes, and if you hit the subscribe button, it'll save and store every show so you can listen to any show anytime you like. It's easy, it's automatic, and folks, it's free. You can also access the show on Stitcher and at BigBrainsMedia.com. There's a free podcast app available that lets you download the show to your smartphone or mobile device so you can take it with you and listen while you're driving or running errands or regifting that bait shop coupon book you got at last year's office Christmas party. And with Christmas only days away, what better way to let somebody special know just exactly how much you care by skipping all that spending and just sending a card with our online address written with one of those nice Christmas glitter pens. In the meantime, we've had a great time, and it's about time to head for the locker room. But before we sign off today, 
let's take another listen to Phil and Eli over in Georgia on those last couple of minutes of the game. Well, now inside the 10, Georgia will come up. They, can, they only have really three plays, maybe two. There may be spike here, but it looks like they're going to set a play. Clock is running now inside the 10. 10 seconds, 9, 8 in the game, 7, fade route, corner, caught and down at the 5, That's 4, it. 3, 2, Man, it was great being there to watch that, and it's great to listen to it again. But we're going to say so long for now, so till next time, take care, have a blessed day, and roll tide.